This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made For This podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Made For This podcast. You guys are gonna love today's conversation with Jenny and Ruth Simons. Ruth is an author and an artist and a business owner. She owns an amazing company called Grace Laced and she just recently came out with a book last September called Beholding and Becoming and it is absolutely beautiful. So don't miss it. And I know you guys will learn so much today from Ruth. So let's go. guys, I'm so excited about my friend. She is here today, Ruth Simons. To tell you that we have been through it together is an under-exaggeration. There are so many moments, Ruth, that we have been thrown together and had the deepest talks and gone to the deepest places. It feels like we have been close friends, living life together as neighbors for years, and yet we have not clocked that much time together. But what we have clocked has been real and deep And in moments of fear and trembling, and in moments where we're experiencing God and hearing from God. And so it's such an honor to have you on today. And I cannot wait for you to just bring everybody into your life, into your daily routine, because we're talking about self-importance versus humility. And a lot of our conversations personally have existed in this little stratosphere of this conversation. So that's why I had to have you on for this is just- I love that. You you totally summarized our relationship so perfectly. I love you and I love that that's how we are, that we just go in deep and I'm just grateful for you. Thanks for having me on. Okay, so let's go into the most recent episode of our friendship, <laughs> <laughs> which was If Gathering, which was only a few weeks ago. So let's talk for just a minute about that experience for you. Why don't you start by just telling everybody my wonderful vision for your life? <laughs> Maybe that will be yes. a picture into our friendship yes. as well. Yep. So last fall, um, I was so excited to be joining If Lead again. And like, I think probably like two or three weeks before the actual conference, Jenny texts me and says, I just have this thought. What if you just spoke, but also painted from stage, kind of like that one Instagram hyperlapse video that you posted? And I'm thinking, Jenny, that's like a pre-recorded, like practiced, like 20 second thing. (laughs) And you're talking about giving me 12 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever on stage where I got to share the word of God. And, but long story short, I get on the phone with her. And the bottom line is I said, yes, because you absolutely get that. My heart is always to share the gospel, proclaim the truth, adorn the gospel with my artwork and never be about performing my Mm. artwork or Mm. showing that off. And, and I never wanted to be a demonstration of art. I never wanted to make my skill or my talents, the Mm. centerpiece. And so when you asked, I knew that you got that about me. And I knew that what was um, most impressive to you wasn't to show off some talent on stage, but was to really invite people in with whatever means we have. And one of my means was to do that with paintbrush and paints. And so I said, yes, I went scared. It was probably the most scariest, well, until two weeks ago, but it was the scariest, <laughs> it was the scariest moment of my life. And it was surreal and beautiful. And I, at If Lead in the fall, spoke about stewardship over stardom. And the bottom line was, if you gave me 12, 15 minutes, I, the only thing I wanted to drill in for 
our sisters was to remind them that we had a message to steward and it was never about ourselves to be stars of our own show or to proclaim ourselves on the platforms that he gives us. And so that was the scariest moment of my life. And then came February and I said yes again. And you know, I've said yes only to you to for if, because number one, I know you guys will set it up right. We won't be dealing with a bunch of logistical craziness. Um, and so it was <laughs> the, the craziness that ended up happening, the chaos that happened for me on stage had nothing to do with the, the stage crew or the people putting it on nothing. It was they did everything perfectly. It's that there are things that you can't foresee. And also you can't foresee how the Lord wants to work things out. And so here I am preparing. Brooke gave me Romans chapter eight, verses 24 through 28, which in itself is kind of a heavy four verses. And it was, it was a lot to try to cover in a small amount of time with poignancy, but if you can imagine, I actually wanted to go there to talk about how the Spirit helps us in our weakness, to talk about how at the end of the day, even when you don't have the words, the, the Spirit groans for us. That's that passage. And that it ends with our very favorite, all things for those who love the Lord, all things work together for good, right? So these were like the main points that I had already gotten going in my mind. But because it's a stage thing, you have to prep all your components a day in advance. We had to set up the whole table a day in advance. And then an hour in advance, I had to really prep my paints and have them ready because we were going to set them out. I was going to get mic'd up between kind of miss, just not timing it quite right because, you know, nothing ever goes exactly time-wise the way you expect. So we were running a tiny bit late, but also I just had never prepped paints at, at that level before. I was nervous that they were going to dry out. I wasn't working in watercolor because what I had envisioned in my mind, Jenny, was this, this, uh, the light poking through the darkness. Like I was, I was planning the storm painting, this painting, and I was going to use acrylics because acrylics dry fast. Um, I can blend. I was going to paint the storm and this idea of like kind of going, wow, it's stormy and it's hard. The hardship of life on earth, of this journey towards heaven, it's, it's hard, but through the hardship comes breaking through the light and the help of the spirit in our lives and the tension of the now and the not yet. That was the whole point. So I had this, like this, whether it was a sunrise or sunset, but the light was going to break through the cloudy darkness. And I had all my colors set out and I was working in acrylics, not in watercolor. So I had to pre-prep the paints. I added, you know, I live and learn. I added a little bit. I was nervous, added a little bit too much of this like medium so that it wouldn't dry as fast because I didn't want them to dry backstage too early. So I sit down, <laughs> I intro a little, I sit down, the clock is counting down my 20 minutes. And with the very first stroke, I thought, oh my goodness this is not going as planned. I knew from the very first stroke, oh. unless you're really like a connoisseur of finger paints, you wouldn't know, but they felt just like <laughs> kids' finger paints. I literally was like, oh, might as well just use my fingers and smear it around right now because that's how it felt. It was not oh. pink and it wouldn't dry. It just, I, I could tell right away, like no matter how much I saw it in my mind's eye, it was not laying down. It could not layer. I couldn't express what my mind's eye saw and the grief that came over me was not about, but I know how to paint. I'm so good at this. Can everybody, it was that I genuinely, Jenny, I genuinely, my heart wanted to express deeply what I had envisioned to adorn the very truth and the message I wanted to proclaim. Mm. 
But while I was doing that, I was also checking my notes and realizing the very heart of the message that I was trying to give Uh. was he works all things together for good even when it doesn't turn out the way you want it to, even when he doesn't use you the way you expect him to, even when you think your gifts are going to be put on display in a certain way. And you're like, Lord, you've gifted me with these gifts. I can shine for you in this way. Many will come to faith because I do use it this way. And he chooses to use you to scrub the floor, to clean out the fridge, to discipline that one child that needs to talk on your lap for an hour. He uses you in a way that you didn't expect. And I, I mean, it makes me teary just to talk about it right now, but I didn't want to be the illustration, Jenny. Mm. I didn't want to be the illustration. I wanted that picture and that beautiful painting that I could paint that I had planned for. Let me just tell you, I had spent a good 80 bucks on supplies and a whole lot of hours planning this painting out. And I wanted that to be a testimony of like God's greatness. And instead he used me fumbling clumsily Mm. through this thing, awkwardly pushing through, trying to stand my ground and be faithful to just keep on proclaiming what I knew was the content because I promised you back in September that I was about the content and not the performance. And so I knew that when it came down to it, what would bring him glory wasn't that I finished the painting the way I wanted to. What, what, What would bring him glory would ultimately just to speak the words of truth, even if the display of it was going to be in a way that I never planned for it well, to. So, and let me oh. just say, so I, I am backstage. I'm about, I, I follow Ruth immediately. I got, we literally make the handoff and I go out on stage <sighs> to deliver my part. And, and I can just say while I'm backstage, I'm watching the screen, I'm seeing everything and I'm just sitting there and praying and watching you and knowing like I sent you out there scared and brave, right? Like that, mm-hmm. that combination. And, and, as it's happening, Ruth, and you say it, you were like, this is not going like I thought. I'm yeah. I'm smiling so big because I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, God, you had a plan. Oh, God, you I had know. a plan. And he did. And let me just say the ripples of that moment on stage, Ruth, is so much greater in your weakness than in your strength mm-hmm. because everyone related. It was like, not only were you having to preach something, you were having to live something and it was visceral and everybody felt it. And it was unforgettable. Uh, I mean, people, when they're, you know, 20 years from now and they're remembering that moment, they'll remember that because it was so real and it was you living it out in front of everyone, which is always more powerful, but it's in our weakness and we hate that part. And it, and I think the power for you and even just in your ministry with it since If Gathering, currently right now on this podcast and your Instagram and every way you've talked about it, it has been that recognition for all of us that it doesn't go how we want. We want to put down the card that we like to be vulnerable with. We don't want to be completely right. transparent and th- right. and show everything. You know, we, wa- we still want right. it controlled. And that was a moment that felt totally out of control to you. And yet that's how our, most of our moments feel when God's bringing about the work of humility in our lives. It it feels like humiliation, I often say, because right, it, right. It, it, it isn't pleasant. But yet that is right. often what what happens in us and through us. Because I was already going in scared because really I, I can't, you know, I'm thinking to myself, can I really speak and paint at the same time? And you know what's funny, Jenny, I, ne- I never shared this on my social media post, but I got so nervous 
because you, you realize on stage, like you have 20 minutes and it's like counting down and you realize, oh my goodness, how do I, how do I reca- recalibrate here? So I started sweating. Like I was starting to like, just, you know, fight or flight kind of freaked out on stage. And I was like so hot and so scared that my glasses started fogging up. Oh my goodness, Jenny, they were fogging up and I couldn't see my Rude. notes. And so I can't, so if you go back and watch the video, I keep touching my glasses because I needed to vent them out. Like I couldn't oh my see gosh. my notes. I got so nervous. And so what's funny is I already went on scared because I was, I knew that it was physically kind of hard because I wasn't like I practiced and practiced. It wasn't like this is a canned performance. It was just hard to speak my heart and paint at the same time. But when it went wrong, I think that's not went wrong, but went wrong in my mind. You know, when, when what I had planned wasn't happening, I think that was the moment where, you know, when I look at the comments from people who, whether they weighed in on if gathering social media or wrote in, I mean, hundreds of direct messages and emails have come in. And when I read those and you told me it would be like this, but I don't always believe you right away, but you know, and <laughs> then reading the you were like, emails, you did not want to hear. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> know I, what I didn't want and Jenny here, you'll, you'll understand this about me, but what I didn't want was for people to pat me on the back and be like, it's all right. It uh-uh. was really beautiful. I, I did not want yeah, that I because that. I was like, I really didn't want people to be like, that's better than I could paint. I would gag. I would die if somebody was like, oh, well, it's prettier than what I would do. I love that. Like I did not want anyone to like be silly like that. And so when I saw the comments come in, because it was actually, I don't know if you felt it for me and I I texted you about this, but it was actually a really brave thing for me to post a picture of the finished product on a feed that I've been running for seven years based on finished product that I'm proud of, that I'm like, oh, this is a finished painting that I've, and so to, for me to take a picture of this painting that went totally, I mean, I basically painted like a four-year-old for (laughs) hundreds of thousands of million people or whatever, you know, and I posted that picture, but the comments that came out of that, I was so proud of the Lord. Like I was like, so you go God, because the responses were not, oh, but that turned out so great. Or we know you paint, so it's okay. It was not even a feel sorry for me. It was a truly like a, the Lord did what he needed to do in my life. Amen. Through what happened. And that it was, was like all God, It needed. was a supernatural working of God. That's yep. what that 20 yep. minutes was. Yep. And I felt yes. it backstage. And I didn't even have to be in the audience uh, to know it. I knew, I was like, oh God, you are doing something. And that mm. transcends our plans, right? It's, it, it, it isn't comfortable, but but would we, at the end of our lives, would we pick a life that had a supernatural power that God used? Absolutely. Or would we pick a life that was impressive and perfect and put Absolutely. together? And all of us would pick the supernatural life that God would use, yes. but the way that he says he's going to move supernaturally through us, it's in our weakness. And so it yeah. is, it's a conundrum, right? I mean, it's something yes. we don't want, yet at the end of our lives, I believe it is something that we will want. But don't you think that, you know, and I said this from stage two, because it was actually part of my notes, strangely enough, that, (laughs) you know, that it's a posture, that submission, the patience, and we're talking about humility right now. And, and that's a posture that you actually have to like, almost practice before you're called upon to actually surrender that. I think sometimes we think that we'll just like instantly know when to have that humility in our hearts, but But the reality is like every single day, even when things are going spectacularly the way we plan, even when we hit number two on the New York Times bestseller list, (laughs) whatever great thing is happening in our lives, 
we still have to have a posture of, I deserve nothing. Right. And at this moment, I am literally at your service. Mm. Do what you will. And that posture of humility sets us up to be ready for anything because you do not know when you walk out that door today, how he's going to use you. And I did not know when I walked on that stage, ready, had my hair done, everything was set the way I thought it was supposed to be. And to show up and realize, oh my goodness, when I told him, use me however you wish, that he would take me at my word Mm. and just like do it, that it would be costly. And so we forget that the side, that humility really is a costly thing, Mm. but the reward is so much greater than we could ever experience on our own. And so I don't know, I just, I've been thinking a lot about that, just that um, I think I have a false sense of confidence and comfort that real makes me think that I don't have to have that posture every day. But the reality is everything that goes my way, if I think it's going my way is really, it's really the same grace that causes things to not go my way and him to be glorified as well. Yeah. It's like my friend that's, that's currently on the mission field, but we were Mm -hmm. church planning together and she just said, Mm -hmm. who am I to say what the good and the bad is? Like, I love God uses the bad and he uses the good and like it all gets jumbled together in his economy. I want to shift gears just a little bit, and I want to talk about, because you have such a heart for discipleship and that humility mm-hmm. that causes you to keep loving that, to to keep pursuing that with your boys. And if anybody doesn't know, you have a gaggle of boys, like a gaggle. <laughs> I don't know what number qualifies a gaggle, but there's a lot of boys in your life. And so I want to talk about your passion for, for discipleship, because I do think mm-hmm. that's part of the grounding in your life that has birthed humility. I'm a mama to six boys and I'm kind of on both ends of the spectrum. I'm sending one off. He's in college freshman year, as well as a six-year-old who's learning to read. So I'm kind of on both ends. And I, you know, being the head of a a small organization, a small business um, called Grace Laced, I have five women that I work with. And so between the family, the business, and the local church, I feel like I give a lot of my heart and I live out everything that I put out online right in front of me with the people in my life. And I think there's a grounding there, like you said, that is, um, you can lose it really easily if you spend all your time online, even if you give all your ministry to people who can't check your life. Mm. And so my kids are, they're a good reminder to me that I have to live out those words that I'm writing first and foremost with them. I have to work it out with them. I have to ask them what they think is an example of those things in our everyday lives. And so they check me and they're my accountability. And so are my teammates that I work with. And so are the people in my local church who don't get what I do. <laughs> and they ha- they are the ones who I see and worship with and study scripture with and bring dinner to. And so, you know, I love that discipleship has to start right in front of you. And that's either your family, your circle of influence. That's your neighbor. That's whoever the Lord allows your circle of influence to be. But for me right now in this season, the people I see first and foremost when I wake up every morning are those boys who require and need me to work out the gospel in hard and good ways in front of them every single day. Well, and I think what you're saying in both categories, you know, whether we're talking about if gathering and the stage and, and your art and your work, or we're talking about your mothering and your life on a local level, 
is God is producing humility. This is not something yes. that we have to yes. muscle into place. This is something that yes. he is excellent at producing. Mm-hmm. It's something that I think if we try to produce in our own lives, it comes off as very false and almost a pretense. Yeah. Like we're trying to appear yep. humble rather than actually walk humbly with God. And have yeah. you seen that in your life? Like God's just building it. It's just happening. Mm-hmm. So being an artist, I'm always creating things and it's really easy to be in awe of my own work. And I'm not because I think I'm so great, but because you're always staring at it. You're just like, well, this is looking like I want it to look. And so you could kind of focus all the time on your own production and your productivity. And and that can be in any field. I mean, as a mom, I think I could be putting all my worth in what my kids are turning out like, you know, what are the grades that they're getting? How are they become, you know, how are they succeeding in life? And so I think the humility comes when I realize how much I really am doing all those things in weakness and that God is graciously using me in spite of everything that I don't have quite right. And so the bigger view I have of God, the more I end up being grateful for everything I get to do. And so whether that get to is that I get to read a book to that little one today and work on phonograms again, or I get to go and, you know, share from a stage in Dallas with a couple thousand of my friends, you know, whatever it is that, that he's called us to, it ends up being a get to when you realize like, he is working in and through us in spite of all that he has to grow and sanctify us in. And so, I, you know, I think I say this a lot and I, I, I haven't said it here on this podcast, so I'll say it again, but I do think we all have access to really great ways in which God draws our attention to his greatness every day. And so it doesn't matter where you live. You have access to a sunrise. You have access to an incredible piece of music that you didn't write. Whatever it is that you have access to that God's saying, look at me, like, look at how much more creative, how much bigger I am than you. The more, if you stand, if you live by the ocean, then my goodness, go take a walk and and you've got access to that too. But we all have access to all the stars that come out at night. And I think I have to personally expose myself to those things morning, noon, night, all day long because it's just so easy to be preoccupied with myself and worship myself and worship my peers. <laughs> if I go online all the time and compare and watch and, and constantly keep up with what everybody else is producing when really the God of the universe is like, I I'm the author of it all be in awe of me. Mm. And I think that's what I see when I look at your life and your ministry is you really like God and you really like displaying him through art, through words, through parenting, that's your passion. I think that's really sweet that you say it that way, but I think that you and I are similar in that it's a war for me, Jenny. Mm. It's a war. I don't just naturally like God. I don't naturally like my Bible. I don't naturally look up. I think it's that in the very way that you are calling us to fill our minds with truth and not the lies from the enemy. I am constantly creating a narrative in my mind where I am number one and I'm in the center of my life in the center of my universe and my comforts and my needs are number one. And so it's like, I don't know that my, the way I behold is actually the battleground for my heart. Like I really have to like fight for what my heart loves and worships by what I set my eyes to. And so I do really love God. I really like him too, but I think it's something that I've had to develop a taste for day after day. Mm. 
That's good. And you're right. Thank you for dispelling that. Because I think that we do think it's easier for some people than others. And it's always a choice. And it's always a fight, right? So let's talk a little bit about your experience as an Asian American woman and what that brings to your life. What tensions does that bring? And also what beauty and perspective has that given you? So I think I've grown up with a lot of expectations. Some are spoken, some are not spoken. There is a expectation to be amazing, to be so amazing. And I like to say, sometimes I think there's an expectation to be so amazing that you don't owe anybody anything, that you're always number one, that you're the best of the best. And I think there is a, sometimes in my cultural background, there is a need to prove yourself. And when that really became super obvious beyond academics or beyond achievements was when I started realizing how much I was trying to pay God back for the grace I received from him. And I was like, why am I always trying to like prove that I am deserving of his grace, that I will serve him well enough that he'll be like, it was sure worth it to save you, girl, you know? Mm. And um, that's just not, that's not the Bible. That's not the gospel. And so I think what's been super, super freeing for me is the realization that, you know, it's not just being an Asian American woman, although I think that there are some cultural norms that have just been deeply ingrained in a um, honor and shame based culture. Like I think some of that is ingrained there, but I think in all of us, there is the desire to achieve our way to acceptance. And I just love that as an Asian American woman, I can really see the ways in which that cultural norm is being challenged by the gospel in such a way that I really see my citizenship in heaven, in Christ. And when our identity is in Christ, then I can live out and be more free in all that the Lord uniquely created me to be as an Asian American woman. And so I think before there was more of a, a desire to be like, well, how does this part of my life play out? Now I'm so grateful for all the ways in which I can tell that story more uniquely and the way I can share how much the gospel means to me when I realize how costly grace really is and how much I don't have to pay him back by my good behavior or my achievements anymore. Mm. And that changes everything, right? I mean, that it, does. it changes it's everything. It's a whole different yeah. way to live. I, th- I think so much of the anxiety that we fight has to do with that one mm-hmm. belief not being in place sometimes. I mean, I'm not talking about mental illness and everybody listening that's listened to any yeah. other episode knows I'm not talking about chemical imbalance here. I'm talking about yeah. just the worries, the constant nagging worries sure. that fall in line. You know, I, I always go back to A.W. Tozer's quote, put God in his rightful place and a thousand problems are solved all at once, that mm-hmm. that that constant worry and fear is somewhat solved as God gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when I say, you know, Jesus changes everything, that's what I mean. What you're saying right now, Ruth, that that focus, when that's con- the consuming thing in my life, then everything else gets a little bit dimmer and there's not as much emphasis on it and I can let it go. And I don't have to achieve and I don't have to make everything work out for me here. Yeah. And that idea of self-importance yeah. feels almost silly and small 
because of course God is everything. Like we're all peons before mm-hmm. him and we're yeah. grass. You know, I, I think of where scripture says we're grass that withers yes. and dies. Like there, there's nothing about any human on earth that lasts very long. Mm-hmm. And yeah. especially in light of eternity. I mean, it barely lasts at all in light of eternity. So <laughs> even if it lasts generations. So I think there's just a a different way to live in that different way is so radically different. It's not a little bit more to the right or a little bit more to the left. It's about face, right? And it's turning from self-importance exactly. and completely turning to worship and in awe of this God. And that brings humility, right? It's a byproduct. Well, and I think that, you know, we are a culture that's pretty obsessed with um, self-evaluation, analyzing our personalities. And, you know, I'm all for that, for the sense of relational, like knowing how to like relate to others and knowing how your personality works with others. And that's all great. Like those are good tools. But I think that sometimes we are so crazy invested in figuring out who we are in terms of how we fit in society and how we fit in terms of our personalities. And even as an Asian American woman, I think early on, I struggled a little bit with the fact that I, um, and I think I might've even said this to you the very first time I ever came to if that I don't communicate like everybody else. Like, and that's maybe Asian, that's maybe my personality. And I'm an observer. I come in quiet. I, I think a little bit longer and I'm not as bold with sharing my opinions right off unless somebody invites me to. And so those are some things that are maybe like cultural things that, that bring me into the space differently. But I also am so grateful that when we're not so obsessed with analyzing ourselves and we see ourselves in the light of our identity in Christ, then all those things that make us uniquely us like fit into how he will use us. Like, and now I'm like, well, I'm so grateful that there's somebody who speaks in a way that somebody else might be able to. There are women who will speak loudly and boldly in a different way than I will. And some people will hear that because they need to hear it that way. But some people might need to hear it in the way that I speak too. And so rather than thinking of my personality traits and and my cultural background as even liabilities sometimes, that I end up seeing them in the light of like, how unique God is in gifting all of us and using each one of us because he's the author of every race, ethnicity, every nuance of our personalities. Well, I am so grateful you said yes. I am so grateful. I'm so grateful that you've asked, yes. That you are part of this family. And I just, yeah, I can't imagine it without you. And you have brought so much beauty to it. And I'm not just talking about art. I just, you're friendship and your desire to really display God through everything you do is so evident. So I want you to to talk to the people that are listening that want a different way, that they mm. are tired and exhausted from trying to prove their worth. They're tired mm. from, you know, the rat race of approval and self-importance. What would you say to them? Well, I think that self-forgetfulness it, it doesn't happen overnight. But when we are able and drawn in, like we're wooed by God's greatness and we are wooed and like we fall in love with the redemption story and that story grips us so much. The gospel, the person of Jesus grips us so much that we kind of obsess about him and think about him all day long. It's not that suddenly your problems just go away, your worries go away or the to-do list goes away. It's not that it even solves all the problems with what you're going to decide about the next five years of your life. It's not that all that's so simple, 
but it puts everything in perspective in a way that I think we underestimate. We kind of say, well, Jesus, thank you for saving me and allowing, giving me the, the ability to hope in eternity. But now I'm going to like really like roll up my sleeves and get to work here. And you know what? We do get to work. We clear out inboxes. We write our books, our letters. We make those phone calls. We clean our utility rooms out. Like we do the work every day. But I think the self-forgetfulness part, the remembering Christ and not being so self-important starts with really being clear about who we are in Jesus. And I know we talk a lot about our identity in Christ, but I think we have to rehearse that and remember that because we're so forgetful. We really are so forgetful because I know I read Ephesians 2, but goodness, I could read it once a day and still forget some things that are true about who I am in Jesus. What are my eternal gifts and what is my in- inheritance in Christ? Like rehearsing that and remembering that sets us up for a pattern that does renew our minds, that does change the way we think of things. And just like it can be a default to make ourselves the hero in the center of everything in our lives, that's kind of a pattern we fall into when we practice over and over and over again, obsessing about our own lives and thinking about ourselves. I think what Paul's talking about in Romans 12 is ultimately the reminder that you can have a new pattern. Mm. You can have a new pattern if you return and keep going back to the truth of the simple but powerful reminder that Jesus didn't come to just give you a couple of good tools. He came to transform your life and that in Christ, you are not who you used to be. He's making all things new, including you. And I think starting there helps you not want to just do some self-improvement on yourself today. Like, oh, how can I make myself just a little better? How can I dress a little nicer? How can I get ahead? It makes you really long and want total transformation. And you can't do that on your own. So it puts him on center stage once again. Hey, Ruth, will you pray for for those that are listening that just want this so bad and they don't know a way out? Yeah, let's do. Father, thank you for knowing each listener and each heart that's listening in today. You know exactly what is pressing in, what feels like a stuck area in the listener's life. Father, we know that you have promised in your word that in Christ, your spirit helps us in our weakness. You do the work of transformation. It's not based on whether or not we had the perfect quiet time today or whether we signed up for the right programs or whether we've made the right choices. But Father, I pray that right now for each person that's listening, that you would draw them back to yourself through the word, through the simple but powerful, amazing message of the gospel that you came to rescue us that you did not just leave us to ourselves, that you made a way for us to have intimacy with you, that you have opened the doors wide open, that we can come in and pour our hearts out to you. So for that listener today who wants it so bad, wants that um, freedom, and wants to not be stuck in the never-ending cycle of hustle and fear and striving, Lord, would you please just reveal yourself through your word. Allow the hope of the gospel to penetrate hearts and to rescue each listener. And Lord, we trust you for the results because we know you promise 
that every good work that you begin, you will finish it and you will complete it. And so thank you, Father, for all that you will do in and through us. Help us to trust you today and find us faithful, Lord, right where we are. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, everyone, this spring we have partnered with some amazing ministries and small businesses because we believe in what they are doing out in the world, and one of those is Pine Cove Camps. I specifically thought of Pine Cove Camps because I was a counselor there. That's so cute, Chloe. Many moons ago. What was your nickname? I know they all have nicknames. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, when you work at Pine Cove, you have this ceremony where you stand on a chair and your friends tell all the most embarrassing stories about you and they make you a nickname. And they are ridiculous. What's yours? So my nickname was Winner Winner Pickin' Dinner. (laughs) So they called me Win Win for short. But guys, in all seriousness, Pine Cove Camps is a summer camp. There are multiple locations and all of the summer staff are college kids who love Jesus and are like amazing role models and mentors to campers. And I just can't speak enough about Pine Cove because it's all about Jesus. It's Christ-centered, it's others-focused, and as you can tell by the nickname, it's seriously fun. I just believe in summer camp. My life was shaped at a summer camp. I feel like I met Jesus and it's just a way to connect with God away from family and school and church and expectations for kids to connect with God on their own and to have these role models in their life. So if people are listening and they want to send their kids, Chloe, what do they do? So just for you guys, if you use the code Jenny250, you can get $250 off a first-time overnight youth camp registration. That's so cool. I know, right? I didn't know that. So yeah. if you go to pinecove.com slash youth camp, use the code Jenny250, you can get $250 off for a first-time overnight youth camp registration. Guys, that's awesome. And we got that just for you. So send your kid to camp. It's the best. <laughs>